The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Well, good morning and happy past Thanksgiving Sunday. Uh, title of the message this morning, Still Giving Thanks. I switched up this morning and uh, we're not going to be continuing in First John, so let's just set that aside for the time. I've preached on this passage before, but had some time of meditation in it. Uh, this week, actually, we had the stomach flu hit my house. My wife is on the tail end of that. And so I took an old sermon. And sometimes it's good to look at an old passage or an old sermon with fresh eyes. Amen? And I thought about it, still giving thanks. The passage that we're going to be looking at this morning is in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, or actually verse 15, I want you to follow along with me. Very familiar passage to all of us, but I think it's good to be reminded of the things that Paul writes to this church, especially on this post-Thanksgiving Sunday. Paul writes, beginning in verse 15, he says, Pray, uh, pay careful attention then, pay careful attention, observe, uh, don't make it haphazard, if I could put in parentheses, but pay careful attention, he says, how you live, not as wise, unwise people, but as wise, and, and make the use, best use of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit of God. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melodies in your heart, music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. We'll be looking mostly at verse 20 where Paul says, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you may be sitting there wondering, well, you don't know my situation, Paul. How can you say give thanks for everything? Or you might be looking at me and say, J-Mo, you have not experienced the things that I've experienced in my life, and how can you say give thanks to everything? Well, I'm, I'm repeating what Scripture says, and if anybody had a right to give thanks for everything, I think it was the Apostle Paul. As we see recorded in Scripture, his, his commitment and his life and his following Christ and the commands of Christ, we, we know that Paul suffered a great many things, and, and he had every single right to say to you and I, as inspired by the Holy Spirit, that we're to give thanks for everything to God the Father. Even in the most undesirable circumstances that Paul found himself in, it seems as though he's continually expressing thanks to God, regardless of those circumstances. Last week I made reference to his statement that I've learned whether I, I'm in a state of having plenty or in a state of having very little. I have learned to be content, which is a an attitude of being thanks, being content in whatever circumstance we would find ourselves in. Paul says, I've learned to be thankful at all times. You remember 
he and Silas there in that Philippian jail at midnight when they had been imprisoned for preaching the gospel. They began to sing songs of praise to God at midnight. And I don't know about you, but I don't know that I want to do anything at midnight, let alone sing praises to God at midnight. It used to be 2 or 3 in the morning. Now it's 9 o'clock. Anything after 9 p.m., right? He's giving thanks. He's giving praise to God. That, that book of Philippians that we call the Joy Manifesto that Paul writes, and the theme of that book is joy, and the theme of that book is rejoicing in the Lord always without ceasing. Paul is writing that while he's imprisoned in Rome waiting his fate. I was thinking this weekend uh, how, how crazy our culture has become. <laughs> and... and there were several posts that I observed on social media how that we, we set one side one day aside in our culture that, that we enjoy all the things that we enjoy with family. John, I think you expressed 17 coming into your home, and I'm not sure there was complete joy the whole time all 17 were in there, but it's a great time to get together with family and, and have good eats and, and enjoy that and watch a little football on Thursday afternoon only to anticipate Friday morning that they call it Black Friday. You know why they call it Black Friday? Because you're going to later look at your credit card bill and go, oh, that was a dark day, right? <laughs> we rush into stores, we trample one another, we get... All the gratitude that we had the day before just kind of goes out the window because we're rushing to put ourselves first and beat the other person to that item that we want to get. But it's not just Good Friday anymore. I've noticed the advertising through the junk that I get in my email that it's gone from Good Friday to Small Business Saturday to... Saw it this morning. Satisfied Sunday. To Cyber Monday. It's crazy. I think when Paul writes this, he has a different standard of understanding of thanksgiving than we in our culture in the world has as to thanksgiving. You see, it seems as though while we take and set that time aside, and I'm not saying any of us are guilty of this, we set that time aside on Thursday to have a Thanksgiving celebration, what we typically focus on, the other stuff might be in there, but, but what we typically focus on is the stuff that we have. And it's evident that we're focusing on the stuff that we want to have because we have Black Friday and we all go participate in it. The standard I think that Paul is talking about is that standard that, that is a uniquely Christian standard. And, and it's wrought from within. That at the end of the day, at the end of life, those things that are going to be most important to us are those things that are spiritual matters, not material matters. I think Paul has in the mind, his mind as he's writing this in this Christian standard that, that first of all, that standard of thanksgiving is that, man, the thing that I needed most, the thing that I recognize is of far greater value is that God has saved a wretch like me. Amen. 
that there's a recognition, and we all know it who have been born again, that we recognized and saw that God is a holy God. He is a loving God, and we see that in our state, apart from him, we are, in the words of that old hymn, a worm like me. Completely undeserving of, of his grace, completely undeserving of all that he does. And we have this day called Thanksgiving, and I want to propose to you, in biblical Thanksgiving, at the very heart of Thanksgiving is grace. You see, there's not a thing that we have, spiritually speaking and materially speaking, that is not given to us by God or allowed by His grace being extended to us. You see, when we become possessed by the grace of God in giving thanks to the fact that He saved us, when we become possessed by that, our thanksgiving shifts to a unique concept that says, God, the thing that I'm most thankful for is that you have saved me, and I'm holding on to the hope that you will keep me to the very end. And as we sang about later, earlier in the service, that we will one day be with him for all of eternity. And we say, God, thank you, because this earth and the stuff in it really doesn't satisfy much past the next day. Notice what he says here. He says, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father. You see, Paul had in his mind that every single thing that we have, every breath that we breathe, every totality of our being is given to us by God's grace from the Father above. When he was in Athens, if you remember in Acts chapter 17, when he's preaching to the philosophers there and they have all these statues of God and he recognizes that one unknown God, he declares that unknown God that thank God by his grace we know. He says, God gives grace to all mankind and breath and everything, everything that we have comes from him. Let's give him thanks for it. James had the same idea. He writes in chapter 1, verse 17, he says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Amen. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. He said, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what kind of gifts? Good gifts to those who ask him. And in context, when Jesus is saying this, what he's zeroing in on is that good gift that our Father gives us is by his grace, and that is he saves us and he seals us in the Holy Spirit. And that is the greatest gift that we could ever have in all of this life and the future life to come. Sometimes it's good for me to contemplate these things, because I'm, I'm, I'm just like most of us in the room that I get along in life, and, and we get going on, we get going with the day-to-day -day routine, the mundaneness of things, and the looking forward to the other things that, that, that sometimes I don't stop and think and reflect enough on God's goodness to me by His grace, and from that express a true thanks to Him, a, a heartfelt thanks. You know, you know, there's a difference in a thanks and a heartfelt thanks, right? The, the first thanks is the kind of thanks you're going to get when you open that package that you didn't want on Christmas morning. 
The second kind of thanks is, oh, man, you had me in mind when you got that, right? There's, there's that thanksgiving. I, I, I really believe this. I find it in my own experience in life that, that when I'm truly thankful, when true gratitude comes, it comes from contemplating all that God in and of himself has given to me. Not the stuff that he gives me. I'm thankful for it. I was praying this morning, I'm like, God, thank you that even though I find myself unfaithful so often, you are so faithful. Amen. God, I, I, I find sometimes that my attitudes, my, my thinking is so anti-God. Don't, don't take that rabbit and run with it, but you understand what I'm saying. But, but yet, God, you still extend your grace to me. Considering those things, listen to what the Bible says about considering, contemplating. Psalm 107 says, let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Stop and think and pause and, and consider the steadfast love of the Lord. What that means is that when you were a knucklehead on Thanksgiving Day around your family... God's love was steadfast and remained constant towards you. Isn't that great? His steadfast, it never wanes. It, it, it never fades. It, it doesn't go up elevation up and down like our love does, but God's love is steadfast. It remains constant, and I'm so thankful that there's nothing that you or I could ever do that would separate us from his love, and at the same time, there's nothing you and I need to do to increase his love towards us. Isn't that good? One of Job's... <laughs> advisors said to him this in Job 37. He says, hear this, O Job, stop and consider the wondrous works of the Lord. Stop. That's hard to do in our culture today, isn't it? To stop and consider the wondrous works of God. The psalmist put it this way in Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. And by the way, in Colossians, Paul reminds us that he's the one that holds it all in place. What is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? In other words, in contrast to the splendorous works of God, God, who am I? The psalmist says that you're even mindful of me. Consider that. Think about it, he says. You see, I think this is the, the true essence of thanksgiving, which, which overflows in a worship to God. You see, the Christian standard of thanksgiving is, is, is that, God, I'm so thankful. There's a consideration there. There's a contemplation, and it wells up in us a response to the grace of God, and we cannot help but worship God in response to that. Yeah, right after the big earthquake hit Haiti, I think in 2010 or 2011, we, we sent a team down to Haiti from the church where I was pastoring to, to minister down there. It was reported back to me. The pastor that was in that local area, I uh, knew him very well, and the team had gone there to see how he had fared through this devastation that had just crushed the poorest nation in our hemisphere anyway. If you, how many of you have ever been to Haiti? 
those who have not cannot even imagine the conditions there. And so this pastor, when they, when they got to his community, which was, by the way, hard to distinguish because everything in Port-au-Prince was just laid, laid bare. They get there and, and, and they see that the pastor's little dwelling home is, is, is just rubble. It's gone. The church has fallen out and they can't find the pastor. And they were afraid that, that maybe the pastor had, had, been, had lost his life during it. They hear off down the hill a little bit and, and some vegetation, which is very little of it. In Haiti, he's there and they begin to hear distinctly in that common language in the one song that we can sing universally around the world as believers without any separation of language, they hear the pastor singing out, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. And as they made their way down to find the voice, they see the pastor on his knees He's lost everything, and he's singing, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Sing it with me. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. giving thanks always for everything to God the Father. Notice what he says next in this verse. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, in the standard of thanksgiving, the centerpiece of God's grace and, and our reason to give thanks is Jesus. Apart from Jesus, God sending his Son, God very God, <laughs> living a life just as we live, tempted in every way that we're tempted, yet without sin, sinless became sin for us, a sin offering for us, that would make a way that through Him we might have fellowship and relationship with the living God, and have a hope of eternal life with him. You see, the centerpiece of it is Jesus. If there's anything above that in our lives that we are thankful for, then we need to rethink our thinker and reevaluate where our gratitude lies. It's in Jesus. Amen? Right in Hebrews says, Through him, then, let us continually offer up sacrifice to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. He says, giving thanks always. If you notice back in the passage that we read, Paul had previously made the statement that, that you and I need to make the very best use of the time today, right now, because the days are evil. And we would all say amen to that, right? Like, and I propose to you that the days in Paul's time were perhaps at least equal to or more evil than the days in our culture in which we live now. 
It's been that way since the fall of mankind. And Paul says, listen, regardless of whatever generation you are in and whatever culture you might find yourself in, he says, make the best use of the time. That's a word, time transcends, transcends just a moment in time, but of all time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the the will of the Lord is. Make the best use of our... How do we make the best use of our time? (laughs) You're going to have to fill in the blank to that because you know how your day is spent. You know how your life is spent. I've often shared this. You've heard me say it several times when I look at my life in a normal span of life, I'm I'm somewhere between second and third base. And what just dawned on me this week was that I'm closer to third base than I thought I was. I might slide into home tomorrow. I don't know. But what I do know is that the exhortation that Paul gives to you and I, regardless of where we are on the continuum of of a timetable, he says, make the very best use of your time. That causes me and you as Christ followers or professing Christ followers to evaluate all that we do in life and say, what is it that we're living for? How can we make the best use of the time that we have right now? For his purposes and his glory. I was talking to um, somebody last week, two weeks ago, about their retirement. And they retired at a rather young age, and in the first year, they were just looking forward to it. Nothing wrong with this. It's an ungodly game, but, but I'm not criticizing anybody that plays golf, right? Just kidding, Butch. It's only ungodly because when I tried to play it, there were some ungodly things that may have come into my attitude because I wasn't very good at it, right? So I was just looking forward to, to golf, you know? He said, you know what? I realized that that if I kept on that line, that I was going to die a very dissatisfied man because I recognized and realized that I was wasting those years that God had given me to the very end to make a purpose for him. I don't care where you are on that timeline. God is not finished with you until he calls your name and calls you home. Some of you know that full well. Letting the God's not finished with you, amen? Making the very best use of our time. Giving thanks always for everything. He says, for what? Everything. There's a, a... the idea that he kind of portrayed, kind of gifts here is that that Thanksgiving, that that this Christian Thanksgiving is not something that's abstract and nebulous. In other words, it's, it's not like the Thanksgiving that we put on, that we just recognize the day of Thanksgiving and somehow or another we have to turn on our Thanksgiving, but it's a Thanksgiving that that has a substance to it. 
for the Christian, for the believer. Notice again in the passage, he says, again, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's companion passage in Colossians 3 where Paul says essentially the same thing. He adds these words to it. He says, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and and admonishing one another. You see, th that substance to our thanksgiving, one, comes by the Spirit of God. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But it also comes through the Word of God. Because Paul says, listen, let, let the Word of God dwell in you richly. You know what I found out about people who, who believers who, who in, in, infuse themselves in their lives with the Word of God, that, that it's hard for them to be negative people? The Word of God is, again, just not black ink on white paper, but, but, but it's by the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, that it, that it causes our hearts to give thanks to Him. The Word of God. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I spent the week with uh, Pastor Adrian, a Spanish pastor in Dominican Republic. And two grown guys sharing the same hotel room is not a pleasant experience. <laughs> you know what made that experience pleasurable? Was at the times that we were late. I thought we were like little kids. Guys, you remember when we used to camp out and you'd just talk all night? We'd lay down and <laughs> he would put his breathing apparatus on. What do you call that thing? Yeah, whatever you said. <laughs> and a thought would come to his mind of, of something related to the Word of God, and he'd take it off, and he'd share it with me. We'd spend about five minutes talking about that. And then, then I, I would think of another passage, and, and I'd say, well, you know what? And, and this one, and man, isn't it so rich? But it, it wasn't a theological conversation, although theology was in the, a part of it and in the center of it because it's centered around God. But it was expressing those things that God has, has borne in our hearts through the Word of God. And listen, that, I think, is real fellowship and thanksgiving through the Word of God. I love People I love all, I really do. Can I say, can I be honest? In the body of Christ, there's nothing worse than having to, God, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> Somebody's going to send me an email. If you send me an email, that's okay because then your name's attached to it. But if you just write it on a connect card with no name, it's going in the round file. I, I, but there's sometimes there's nothing more distasteful than to try to have fellowship with another believer when their life is not centered in the Word of God. And that's not coming from a critical spirit, but it's, it's coming from a, man, don't you realize the richness of the fellowship that you can have with Him through His Word? And, and, and this is, 
all you can talk about? Can I get a loud amen from that? At least I know some people are supportive of that statement. Second part of this is worship. Notice what he says in the passage. He says, addressing one another, the substance, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always. You see, there, there's something about a, a reflection on the grace and the goodness of God and a thanksgiving that, that will cause us to want to worship him or express our worship to him. And notice in this passage, Paul gives a number of different varieties and ways, and I'm not going to go into the details of what all those are, but, but he says, listen, in all of these ways, make an expression to the Lord that's centered on who he is and what the Word of God says, not just something that's popular, not just to a tune that you like, not just to a, a style that you like, but listen, if there's substance there, if there's the Word of God, then express it to Him in worship. And somebody say amen to that. It wells up in our hearts and we cannot help but give thanks to God and express worship to Him. You know what I find in my life? And I hate it when the Holy Spirit says, do this. When I find myself in these dumdrum attitudes, the the. the the thought comes from my mind, put on the spirit of praise, uh, put, on, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I don't want to listen to praise right now. <laughs> We're all messed up, aren't we? I, I don't want to get out of this ungrateful attitude. I don't want to get out of this the Holy Spirit, thank God for the Holy Spirit, keeps saying, no, 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 no. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And, and when we begin to worship the Lord, whether it's by means of, of our, I was going to say radio, we don't have radios anymore, whether it's by whatever means, it, it, there's something about it when it's God-centered, when it's Word-centered, that it causes us to shift And give praise to God. I got to wind this down. Notice that this thanksgiving, the other source, is, is the Holy Spirit of God. As he says in here in verse, in verse 18... He says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit of God. Now, the singular meaning of this is, is not a prohibition that he's stating against one. What, in, in the biggest picture, he's saying, listen, don't let anything else control your life other than the Holy Spirit of God. One may want to rail against the substance... But in their life as well, there is no feeling of the Spirit of God because they are completely driven by their own agendas and their own likes. So whatever it is that has control in your life or my life at any moment, he says, don't allow that, but be filled by the Holy Spirit of God and let that control your life. 
You see, a career, a 401k, all of these things can have control in our life, and they can lead to reckless living. Why? Because we're living for those things or that thing, or that's the center of it when he says, listen, be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, if you're here this morning and you've never been born again, it's going to be impossible for you to do that because you first need to be regenerated and thereby receive the Holy Spirit of God. But it's that continual filling that he talks about, continually be filled with the Spirit of God, walking in that. In conclusion, let me read what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He's linking this joy to thanksgiving. Rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Verse 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? With thanksgiving. That's a challenge, isn't it? Some of you are going through some stuff right now. Many of us have been through stuff. And if you haven't yet, can I give you some good news? You're going to go through stuff. Rejoice always. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. Now here's the promise. Verse 7. And linking it to what he's just said, to not be anxious, but in every way by prayer and petitioning God with thanksgiving, when we do that, he says, then the peace of God will surpass all understanding and will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul's not saying that you're to be thankful for this physical thing, but, but the thankfulness there is... Is God, I'm, I'm thankful because I, I know that you are God. I know that you are sovereign God. I know, I know that the thing that matters most is my spiritual relationship to you that's been afforded by the blood of Jesus and I'm in union with you and I'm yours and you're going to hold me to the very end regardless of what takes place in life. God, that is where I have peace because I know and I can say thank you, God, because I don't know the outcome. I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I do know this. You're a good and loving God. Now, God, that I have that, I know that you're going to guard my heart 
and you're going to guard my mind in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.